Thank you, Paxton. Thank you, Dina, for leading us so beautifully. Good morning. Merry Christmas. How are you? Good. Hey, uh, if you will, turn to John's Gospel, the Gospel of John uh, in the Scriptures. If you have a copy this morning, John chapter 1 is where we're going to be. Thank you, man. Thank you all. Uh, I already lost a bunch of bets. I thought I would be one of the earliest ones awake today. Uh, and I've encountered so many of you that woke up so much earlier than me, uh, shocked and amazed. Um, hey, really, really excited uh, to begin worship this morning. And as we do, uh, I'd love for you to read along uh, John's Gospel, chapter 1. We're going to read verses 1 through 14. We're really going to focus on verse 14, but contextually it's very important for us to, to see uh, what the Spirit is seeking to communicate to us through John's writing here uh, at the introduction of this gospel and of this chapter. So John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, says this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the word of the Lord to which we say together, thanks be to God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is the story, this is the short but powerful eight-word history of Christmas. Because these eight words change absolutely everything. And for the last several weeks as we've walked through Advent, we've been in the Gospel of Luke and in the Gospel of Matthew primarily, recounting the stories of all who surrounded the very arrival of Jesus, Zechariah and Elizabeth, Mary and Joseph, the Magi, the shepherds. But John's Gospel doesn't really articulate any of these events, any of these people, any of these characters or any mention of a stable or a manger or no room in an inn. Instead, what John simply gives us is this. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And those eight words are more than enough because indeed this is the crux, the central focus of Christmas that every account, every story culminates in God coming to us and taking on flesh taking on in a corporeal way our very flesh that we might be redeemed through his very life, death, and resurrection. Calvin would say it this way, by bodies he means not only our skin and bones, but the totality of everything, everything of which we are composed. This is what Christ takes on when he comes to us. 
And when we understand the good news of Jesus Christ and his gospel, that we who were once dead in our trespasses have been made alive in Christ, we now regard Christmas not as a moment that has come and gone, but the moment by which all of life with God in Christ by the Spirit is possible. So in this season, we've walked through a ton this past month. The celebration of Advent, many of you have exchanged gifts, the parties, the celebrations, all of the gatherings, the traditions that you've taken part in. And when we leave this room today and we do other things, perhaps with family or friends, many of them will ultimately begin to fade. The calendar changes Tomorrow is the day after Christmas, and only a few days will now be relative or marked toward the day that we celebrate today. Because we'll walk headfirst into a new year with resolutions and ideas and thoughts and goals and things that we plan to do. And we'll get buried in our work and we'll move forward in the things of normal life. Will the joy that we experience fade? The recognition of what Christ has done fade. Will we watch the gifts that we longingly waited for just become another thing that we own and something else begin to take its place? The thing that we want next. The thing that we want even at this time next year. We're going to take down decorations and we'll celebrate a new year. We'll keep walking forward in life as we always do. As I've thought about these things, the transition from this giant moment of celebration that we've been longingly look forward or looking forward to, rather, I've been challenged with what this season really means. And that in so many ways, that what we celebrate at Christmas, the incarnation, is not meant to be celebrated just seasonally or in one moment on a calendar, but for all time, constantly for you and I as believers. I want to share with you a quote this morning from a gentleman who's a pastor, uh, and, and he's an author as well. He wrote the Nine Marks book on deacons that our deacons have read. Uh, his name is Matt Smethurst, and he talks about the challenge of us moving beyond Christmas and even celebrating Christmas for what it is in this way. He says the greatest threat to Christmas is not secularism or consumerism, but our own boredom with the most thrilling story ever told. You know what the greatest challenge for us walking beyond this season and walking into the next day and the next day and the next day and the new year and all the things that come down the road with it is not that we've lost the songs of Christmas or the decorations of Christmas or those types of things, but instead perhaps we're failing to take hold of and grasp the beauty of the greatest story that's ever told and that that incarnation, Jesus coming to us, results in his life for us forever. For all time. You see, when Matt says this, he says the, the threat that he speaks of is not that we're losing Christmas to the world or to the stores. We can think like that, but that's not reality. None of those things have the power to alter or even slightly mitigate the power of what Jesus Christ has done. But the danger that he speaks of is this, is that we're not potentially being captivated by the miracle of Jesus, of God taking on flesh and dwelling among us. So don't hear this and say, 
wait, hold on, am I supposed to feel guilty for all those gifts I just got? Am I supposed to be uh, someone who can't relish in all the, the, the trappings of Christmas and all the things that we've experienced in this season? No, absolutely not. Those are good gifts from the Lord to be enjoyed, to be embraced. And they ought to reveal the giver himself. They ought to point to the God that has come to us, the giver of every gift, the one who took on flesh and dwelt among us. But our greatest joy is this, the wonder that God would come to us at all. But moreover, that he would become like us. That though tempted, he would not sin. In the midst of flesh like ours, he would come to die. He'd be raised again. He would offer eternal life to us. So, here's the question for us this morning. How do we not fall into that forgetfulness or even perhaps boredom with this story that we gather year after year to celebrate. We come to this place. This is our, this is our third year worshiping in this room. At Christmas time. And as we continue to grow as a faith family. We'll do this year after year after year. We'll gather and we'll gather and we'll gather. And we'll read from Luke 2. And we'll read from Matthew. And we'll read passages that are prophetic from Isaiah. And we'll read likely from John's gospel as we describe the word made flesh. We'll tell one another these stories again and again. How do we get to the place? How do we walk toward a life that says, this is not boring to me because I've heard it before. This is not not just something I already know that I'm hearing yet again, but instead my heart is re-energized, is re-engaged because this is astounding. I'm filled with wonder and awe that while I was a sinner, Christ died for me, that he came to me, that at the darkest of night, true light, love's pure light came into the world for me, that I might know God and be reconciled to him and live with him in peace. So here's a big question for us. How can we experience the wonder, the beauty of the most thrilling story ever told? Three things today, three distinct ways which we can do this. Here's the first. One, we can see the story for ourselves. Our greatest struggle, I think, in being bored of or potentially forgetting or removing the wonder from our life with regard to the gospel is the fact that we fail to see it. As we walk into this new year, one of the things that I've been most excited about as, our, as a church is talking with people and connecting with people who've been doing a daily devotional throughout this season whether you use Trip's devotional or Jody's devotional or there's something that you picked up, having the opportunity to, to walk with God in a daily way. And my prayer for, our, for all of us, myself included, has been that we would be people who would see the story for ourselves. What does that look like? It looks like reading the scriptures daily. Here at Double Oak Community Church, we, we would say that this is not just something that we do, but ultimately it's something God does in us because when we read the scriptures consistently, we have the opportunity to do this, to believe the gospel. To see yet again that my life is not predicated on what I've done. Instead, my life is marked by what Christ has done for me. In order to do that and experience that personally, we need to be people who see the scriptures. Because apart from the life of Christ and every scriptural revelation of who he is, we can't understand the miracle of Christmas and what he's done. 
So number one, we believe the gospel by seeing the story for ourselves. As we walk forward and beyond Christmas Day, could we be people that continually seek to know God and subsequently ourselves through the scriptures? Here's the second thing. We can share the story with our brothers and sisters. We can share the story of what Christ has done, that Christ has come to us with our brothers and sisters. Here at Double Up Community Church, what we would call this is living in the gospel, meaning that we would experience Christian community together. Do you know what that community really looks like, what the fellowship of believers really is? What Acts 2 describes is not just giving and sharing of possessions. It's reading the scriptures, it's praying, it's all those things, but it's also communing with one another and communicating and celebrating what Christ has done. As you walk into a new year and you walk into the coming weeks, how do you keep the recognition of what Christ has done in the incarnation with you and in you? How do you keep, keep that energy and excitement and understanding of what he's done for you and the way he's ministered to you and cared for you? How do you do that? You do it by sharing with others. I would encourage you today, a number of us are going to spend time with family. Man, how can we share with one another what Christ has done for us yesterday? In the last week, in the last month, in the last year, we've got opportunities to share with one another how the incarnation has directly impacted us. And you know what happens every time one of you shares what God's doing in your life with me? I'm drawn into the wonder of the gospel. That God came for us. That's the opportunity we have to see the story for ourselves, to share the story with our brothers and sisters, and finally, to speak of the story with outsiders. To speak of the story with outsiders. And when I say outsiders, I want to be very clear. I'm not speaking of people who are less than. I'm just speaking of people who are otherly. Outsiders in the sense that they might not be a part of the faith. They not, might not be a part of the body of Christ to which we belong. They might not be a part of relationships that we normally have in our life. We've got the opportunity to speak of what Christ has done, to tell of what Jesus has done for us. We call this at Double Oak Community Church living out the gospel, where we take opportunities to share with others, friends, family members, those in our workplace, people that we gather with in a variety of ways for recreation, people that we know consistently that we share the story with others. You know what happens every time I have the opportunity to share the story of Jesus with someone that's, that's not in a circle that, I'm, that, that I know deeply, maybe, or we're not connected in faith? God reminds me that he's the one who saved me. And he helps me understand his great love for others, and I desire to share it with them. This is the hope for us today. The God of the universe, the one who is holy, we sang of his worthiness. He's come for us and he has saved us. And here's the thing. For most of us, I would imagine to a large degree, almost all of us, you walked into this room today, you gathered for worship, and you knew this story. You've heard this story. There are a number of you that have heard this story Twice as many times as the one who's preaching it to you right now. 
but it's encouragement to all of us. May we not be bored by this story. May we be people who take hold of the opportunity to just behold him. To behold him. To see Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, the one who's come for us. Could we take the opportunity this morning to behold him? If you will, pray with me. As Paxton and Dina come, uh, we continue in our worship. Let's take the opportunity to pray together. Heavenly Father, it's not for guilt, it's not for shame. Father, that, 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 you, that you want us to behold you. God, you don't force us to. God, but we have the opportunity this morning to look to you, to your great love for us and your sovereignty and your providence at the fullness of time. Your son Jesus was born to a woman under the law that we might redeem, that we, that we might be redeemed, that we might receive adoption, to be drawn into your family. Father, in the wildest way, you came to us. Jesus, you took on our flesh. You dwelt among us. Dined with us sinners. The outcasts. Father, you came to everyone in Jesus. And Father, for that we're thankful. By the power of your spirit this morning, would you help us, Father, preach the gospel to ourselves, see the story for ourselves, read the scriptures consistently so that we know more of you and your great love for us. Father, would you give us the opportunity, even today, to share the story of what you've done in coming to us with our brothers, with our sisters? And Father, would you help us speak of your goodness, this story, to those who've yet to come to know you. Father, the gospel, the good news of your son, Jesus Christ, has come to all of us on the way to someone else. May we be people who share of what you've done. And through these things, Father, may we be people who are not bored of this story, but instead with wonder, Father, behold you and the great love that you've lavished upon us in Jesus. We pray these things in his name. Amen.